Whether we like it or not, our bodies hold histories of conflict between oppressor and oppressed. The battleground lies within education. Whether we like it or not, our bodies hold histories of conflict between oppressor and oppressed. The battleground lies within education, media, government, politics, and yes, the arts. And thus, decolonization begins with the acknowledgement that everything around us has been implicated by colonialism and so much has to be undone. I wrote this as part of my article, um, Unpacking the Buzzword Decolonization, which was published um, through an online dance publication called Thinking Dance. And... I wrote this because I've been really working on decolonizing my own self and being aware of this complexity of being from the oppressor and the oppressed. And how can I how can I identify what I've ingested that is of the colonizers? A lot of us Filipinos really don't really question that, especially from the homeland. I'm not saying this as like a general thing, but from growing up in the Philippines, this isn't really a, a subject that I um, talked about. We just say we're Filipinos and this is how we are. We're Filipinos and we have crab mentality. We're Filipinos and we're lazy. In fact, we have a children's story character called Juan Tamad, who is depicted as a boy who waits under a tree for the fruit to fall onto its own mouth. But I never really questioned like these, these myths that we are a people that are generally lazy. Did, does this come from somewhere? Does this is this something that is imposed on us? And so this is why I write and this is why I dialogue because there's just so much to unpack. And I'm doing this with my daughter who is a Filipino-American who is mixed race. She holds a different identity than I do and she's also grappling with being a product of the oppressor and the oppressed, unfortunately. And so, we're, we've decided to do this podcast because, one, I'm always embarrassed about my own speaking voice. I feel like I have an accent and I also have, I also use random words that are not correct grammar. And I know that comes from years and years and years of, of being colonized and thinking that the in, knowing the English language means that I am intelligent, that I am articulate, that I am eloquent. Being able to speak the English language is highly thought of in the Philippines. In fact, I used to get fined if I spoke the native tongue. So I'm here to do this podcast 
because I'm I'm reclaiming my voice that my feminine and um, uh, stuttering and um, uh, stuttering and um, stuttering, stuttering. Uh, trying to figure out what words to use and say mas masarap pag magsalita ng Tagalog at magruwa salita ng English na mabilis so here I am reclaiming this space in the world of podcasts Welcome to our very first podcast in the series called Describing. Describing. Okay, so what are we describing? We are describing who we are and our stories. That's right. Um, our mission is to inscribe stories from the lens of a foreign-born Filipino immigrant and a first-generation mixed-race Filipino. Yes, so today, um, well, before we continue, I completely forgot to tell everybody my name. My name is Ani Gavino. Um, my name is Malaya. Um, I'm the first generation mixed race Filipino. Well, Malaya and I are going to, you know, use this podcast as a way to have a conversation on issues that are kind of difficult to unpack. Um, but as a mother, um, I have to find creative ways to converse and dialogue with, you know, my growing young lady. Um, we're going to be talking about the first issue, which is the critical race theory. I don't know if it's an issue or not, but it's something that is being talked about in the news. And that Biden is proposing that we should have in our school systems. Um, I really think this is important because, um, well, Malai can tell you all what what she's learning in the American public school social studies curriculum. Um, so, we basically just learn about the history of Europe and we spend about two months on Asia and Africa and a year on Europe yeah can you tell can you tell me um, what what about Asia did you learn China just like the um, time periods in China and how big is Asia um, it's the largest continent um, during the Filipino American History Month, and now we're actually celebrating the Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Um, is there any mention of that in in your school? Mm-mm. Just none. None at all. None. Not not even in like those you know weekly updates announcements. No, it's actually weird because the current events is like actually the past we're still talking about how um people landed on the moon even though that was 
events in the past and not current events. So basically, these are still like not just like not they're just not, like current, current, not current, but they're still events. Still events. And like the you know like what the what white America has contributed to the world is that correct? Oh, we can't hear you when you nod. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that you wished to learn in school? Um, I would say more about the history of people of color and like places from other parts of the world that isn't just Europe um and yeah what about like the books that you read like what are those that are being enforced are they often like are they white writers or Mm-mm. we're reading chains and before we were reading the dear justice justice books Oh, who is recommending this book? Um, my ELA teacher. Okay, so there are some changes happening, but you do, um, I mean, okay. as a mom, as I do kind of wish for you. a Filipina who grew up in the Philippines, where I got to read books such as Alamat Niyang Ibong Adarna, Violante at Laura, and Jose Rizal's El Filipusterismo and No Limit Angere, and many other, um, Filipino written books. Um, I'm always curious how the curation of reading materials that um, is enforced in her by the school's system or by her teachers is affecting her own identity. Um, we have in ELA we have been reading books um, written by people of color about people of color. Um, the most recent one was Chains, which is basically a book about a young girl named Isabel, and, um, this is, like, um, I would say 1700s, so it's, like, she's enslaved and she was separated from her parents after, um, her mother died and her father was, like, sold away, but then, um, she goes on a journey and she's trying to find her basically way to freedom because she was supposed to be free but instead she was sold but in the process she ends up losing her sister Ruth mm. um, and there was two other books that we were reading this year um, Dear Justice and Dear Martin mm-hmm. um, it's about well Dear Martin's about a young black man who is basically growing up in a white school and um, it's talking about like the issues in that school and how um, the police interact with him and his friends and how he ends up losing one of his friends mm. and he gets shot. Um, and then there's Dear Justice, which is the sequel and it's coming from another one of his friends' perspectives and in jail, so, yeah. What did you learn from that book? Um, I would say just, like, issues in society and, like, the difference in treatments. Mm, what and, is the difference in treatment that you found out? Um, well, basically, like, how, um how the main character and his friend were pulled over by a policeman and shot 
just at a um, red light. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was for having the music too loud. It actually is derived from a true story. Yeah. It actually is, is similar to a lot of the stories that we heard of, unfortunately, this year. Mm-hmm. You know? Like even, you know, being shot from having air fresheners in the car or mm-hmm. jogging in the wrong neighborhood or um, being accused of having a fake $20 bill. So there's definitely a lot of this issues that is happening. In- All I want to talk about is how we're reclaiming space right now. And another thing that is really important about this first podcast that we have is um, we want to we want to show you that we are having discussions in our household, and those discussions are really important. A lot of people don't want to talk to their kids about issues of race and identity because they're, you know, that's not something that they need to know. That they need to live a life of a of a dream or. Or they, we can't take their naivete, naivete, is that right? Naivety? Uh, innocence. Okay. I know the word. I will write the word, but I can't pronounce them. Okay. Their innocence away from them. But, um, but I think that my process of continuous dialogue with Malaya has truly helped her be grounded. Because now she knows, or she's she's on the right path of knowing who she is and what she believes in. And when she's in situations where she is experiencing some sort of microaggression, she can push back. And she has the right tools because we've discussed them. And she's, she's also pushed back against my own thoughts in the past, and we dialogue about them. And thus, she's able to form her own ability to think critically. That she just doesn't say what mama says. That she processes and continues her own questioning and her own research. And also, call people out. When um... There's actually another book that I uh, recommended to you for you to read, Everlasting Nora. I'm reading it. You're reading that one right now? Um, that one I picked up because it is um, f- from a Filipina lens, but I don't really know exactly what the storyline is. Can you tell me? Um, it's basically just about how in the Philippines there was a girl and her family, um, including her mom and dad, and um, their house was caught on fire, and her dad died, so that left her and her mom homeless, and it's basically talking about her life after that fire. Yeah, you told me where she was living. Oh yeah, she was living in a grave house thing, her dad's um, grave this conversation that I have with Malaya about authors really make me think about how complex this term AAPI 
which we are celebrating currently in the month of May is that there's really so many identities, complexities, and nuances within this term. I, for instance, I'm a foreign-born Filipina who grew up in Iloilo City, and my stories are different from Malaya, who is a first-generation Filipina who's growing up in Philadelphia and trying to figure out who she is. I know who I am, I speak the language, I speak Kiligaynon, Kanaria, Tagalog, and English. Meanwhile, she's, she's just learning, she's trying, she's trying her best to learn how to be Filipino in Philadelphia. At the same time, my story is different from Nora. We talked about the character Nora in the book that she's reading, Everlasting Nora. She has experiences that I, I did not live, even, even if I lived in the Philippines. I grew up, in a way, in a privileged setting where I was able to go to school. There's roof, roof. Um, I had a roof on my head or um, over my head. And um, in fact, I went to a private school, a private Catholic school growing up. But Nora um, did not have a house, a home, and she was living in a graveyard. And we have to be careful too about this um, trauma, tra traumatic stories as the only stories that we hear of um, immigrant stories because there's so many, so many stories. My story, so many stories. My story, my story. So it's important for us to pick up a book that is written by us or even write a story that we write ourselves that properly depicts and represents our own you know, you story. Need to give it a chance. Um, instead of going for what the bestseller, what Amazon says is the bestseller or the New York Times says is the bestseller, there are, or what we name as classics. There's so many books that are called children's classics, but none of those is written by us and for us. I, do, I don't even want to mention the names of these classics because I don't want to give it even more power than it already has. But um, I guess I what I'm trying to say is that history is not just in history books, but they're also in literature. They're in everyday conversations like what we are having right now, and um, which leads to um, a conversation that you once had with your grandparent from from your white side that seemed very uncomfortable and triggering. Um, would you like to share us? Um, yeah, so... Basically, I was having a conversation with her about... Before we move on with the conversation with Malaya, I just would like to... So, Malaya is actually navigating um, two homes. She's in a divorce situation. I'm divorced. I'm also queer. And um, she has two two moms, she's being raised by two moms, um, and we talk about equality and racism in America often, 
because that's not talked about in her other side of the family. Her other side of the family, um, they're white and her dad grew up in St. Louis, Missouri and currently their family lives in a very affluent area of Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, where they own like a big lake house and toys and boats and all of that privilege of living being um, a product of the oppressor and the oppressed, unfortunately. Conversation that you once had with your grandparent from from your white side that seemed very uncomfortable and triggering. Um, would you like to share us? Um, yeah. So, basically, I was having a conversation with her about how using the word Indian to describe indigenous peoples of, the, of America um, is problematic since it generalizes all brown people as Indian um so she was basically getting like defensive because she was arguing that um it's vocabulary that she's used all her life and it doesn't affect anyone so she's just gonna keep saying it and the conversation to somehow the n-word and she started repeatedly saying it over and over again to the n-word and she started repeatedly saying it over and over again and I was very upset so I kind of blew up at her the details are kind of hard to remember since I was upset but I just remember like I was like done with her and I just I just blew up at her I'm sorry that you had to experience that and that I am not around to defend you in these situations. Um, so there is just such complexity in the in life situation and how she has to navigate this. And often I feel like it's my fault because I was ignorant. I really believed in the notion of the melting pot, the equality, um, that this place is really a, a place of multiculturalism and and yeah, a multi melting pot of all cult of many cultures. So I didn't really see disparities and hierarchies, but it is through this so-called marriage or. Um, did I realize that white supremacy exists? Happy that you are strong enough to reason, and I hope that you're proud of yourself for standing up for what you believed in. Are you? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do you feel proud that you did that? Mm-hmm. That you stood up, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess um, one more thing was like about another um, conversation that you had with 
unfortunately your biological dad who's who called you something oh yeah he called me racist towards white people because um i forgot how it got up to that but i was basically talking about like things problematic with the society and white people and he just called me racist towards white people which i was kind of confused about because i feel like you can't really be racist towards people who are the creators of racism okay malaya malaya is teaching us today (laughs) (laughs) yes i know i I, there is no racism without the creation of the idea race which was into which was created by well europeans white people to justify their um, from that conversation you probably could tell that we are in one sticky sticky situation and if we don't talk about it i feel like malaya won't find find any grounding any kind of grounding even if she's already trying to figure out who she is um it's gonna be even more difficult if i just continue to tuck it under the rug and be this And follow the model minority myth where we just comply and not ruffle any feathers. So here I am trying to ruffle feathers. And that concludes our first episode of Describing. Um, Thank you all for listening and hopefully we can do it again. We are pretty new to this, but it is important for us to record and document our conversations, our raw conversations. And hopefully listeners could learn from us or perhaps dialogue with us or, or begin a dialogue amongst yourselves. A lot of parents, um, especially BIPOC mothers, have asked me um, when is the right time to talk to your daughters or children about overarching issues on patriarchy, colonialism, racism, and all these other atrocities that eventually our children will be aware of and should be aware of. We would like to thank Leeway Art for Social Change Grant and Velocity Fund for supporting our project, Describing, a conversation between a Filipino mother and a first-generation Filipino-American daughter, all inscribed in different modes of production, such as this podcast, a chapbook, and a series of dance films and videos. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Describing. Maraming salamat sa inyong lahat, sa inyong pakikinig. Sa susunod.